Hello everyone, welcome back to another episode of Here for the Crack with me, Emma Neal. Oh my god guys, yesterday, I'm recording this on Saturday, and yesterday, Friday the 24th of February, was the second birthday of Here for the Crack. I am shook to my core, I cannot believe I've been chatting this much shit to you guys for two years, and you still listen to me. (laughs) What? I feel like I should really be celebrating... But I definitely did not celebrate on Friday. In fact, I had uh, an interesting day on Friday. The emotions were all over the place. I'm going to get into that in a second. But yeah, I honestly cannot thank you guys enough. The fact that I'm still sitting here after two years and have no intention of going anywhere. (laughs) Hopefully you're glad to know. Yeah, I'm really excited for what's to come with the podcast. I can't wait to be able to actually obviously I've always done it kind of like at the same time as uni like I started it when I was in first year so to think that when I'm finished I'll actually be able to like dedicate time to it is so exciting I can't wait to just like read so much and share all my knowledge with you guys that is what I literally live for like I love getting stuck into a good non-fiction book and just then spreading everything that I've learned from it to you guys spreading the knowledge Sharing is caring. I low-key wish I was celebrating, but I also cannot celebrate tonight. I have way too much work to do this weekend, it's a joke. This whole balancing uni thing on top of everything else, it's becoming a bit of a challenge. I just keep telling myself it's literally only for another two months. Like, after two months, my dissertation will be done, and then... It's technically three months, but after two months, my dissertation will be done, and that's kind of like the main thing you stress out about isn't it so yeah two months of this and then oh my god cannot wait to see the back of it (laughs) oh my god do you know one of my tutors reached out to me like they emailed me the other day I actually don't have her as a tutor like as a teacher for any of my modules this term but I have for the last two years had her for different modules and she emailed me and was like by any chance would you be interested in doing like a little presentation for one of the the people who are in second year studying your course, is there any chance you'd want to do like a presentation for the ones that are studying fashion, writing, new media? Because it's all kind of about, although it is writing at the end of the day, it's also about like producing content. And she was like, I just think it'd be really good for like them to be able to see someone that has done what they're doing and like how you're using it and stuff, how you're using those skills and the different avenues you can kind of go down. And I read it and I was like, first of all, I'm not qualified to talk about this. I'm very flattered that you've asked me but I really don't know if I'm your best bet and then second of all I was like and I have a massive fear of public speaking and I will probably get up and have a panic attack in front of everyone but then I was like oh but I literally was talking about last week about how I really want to get over my fear of this so maybe it would be good for me and I was asking her questions I was like how many people are in the class? Is it a lecture theatre or is it more like just a classroom? Because I feel like that's a lot more casual. Like imagine getting up and stand and um, presenting to people in a fucking lecture theatre. Like those big halls with the seats that go up. Oh, I know I couldn't. Well, I mean, hopefully I could at some point, but like, you know, baby steps. But anyway, she said it was a classroom. I haven't replied to confirm, but I think I'm going to do it. I think I just need to fuck it and just do it and get beta blockers if I need them, and get hypnotherapy before then, hopefully. It actually wouldn't even be for another month as well, so I've got time to work on this. Also, 
already I'm making it out to be a bigger deal than it is. It's a, literally a seminar group of, she said the group is 20 people, but about half of that come. I'm already making it out to be a bigger deal than it is in my head, which is a big issue. I need to stop panicking. It's just like getting up and presenting to your class and that's what I need to see us. But just the people that are in the year below me. But I'm just like, oh, come on, surely they'll just look at me and be like, what the fuck are you doing here? (laughs) What do you have to add to this module? Do you know what I mean? (laughs) But yes, I think I have decided to stay in Belfast until St. Patrick's Day because it's only three weeks from now. And realistically, is there any point in me going back and forth within the space of three weeks? No. For the sake of how many classes I actually have. Definitely not. So I'm staying here till St. Patrick's Day and I don't even know what I'm doing on St. Patrick's Day and it's giving me anxiety thinking about drinking that much again, but it'll still be really fun. I feel like the second you're just with a good group of people and a good environment, then you won't be anxious about it. So I said I had a roller coaster of a week. Or did I say, maybe I just said I had a weird Friday. I don't know. Anyway, I had a roller coaster of a week. Now, when I say I've had a roller coaster of a week, please bear in mind that this is pretty minimal on the scale of things to happen to you because sometimes I get a little bit humbled, right? <laughs> I'll give you an example here. On Friday, I was having a shit day. Well, shit morning for reasons, which I will talk about. And... Well, I don't know. Am I going to... I Sorry, let me just carry on. I was having a shit morning and I was planning on shooting two of my friends for a part of my uni project. So they were coming to my house. I was putting them in the clothes and then we were driving to the locations that we needed to go to. One of my friends rings me and she says, you know, what, what do you want me to wear to yours and what do I need to bring, blah, blah, blah. And she's been like, I feel so run down. Like I had such a bad day yesterday. I was about to start venting to her about what had happened to me. Okay. But then she starts telling me what had happened to her the day before. Now she is a nurse. And oh my God, do I take my hat off to nurses? Like I swear to God, you, the amount of shit you guys go through baffles me. I think they're a very underappreciated job as a whole or just role in our society. The things they do is just madness. I could never do that. Also, I feel like people doubt what it actually takes to be a nurse. I feel like everyone just thinks, oh, like anyone can go be a nurse. If you could see the amount of shit they have to go through university-wise and the amount of placements and the amount of assignments and stuff that they have to do at the same time as full-time working, it's crazy. And I didn't really know about it until I had friends doing nursing. So anyway, I'm on the phone to my friend who's coming around mine. She's a nurse. And she was basically just telling me that she has a shit day. She's not feeling great, but she needs to get out of bed and follow through with this because like it's her day off and she needs to see her friends type of thing. And she's telling me, you know, that yesterday loads of people died where she was working and she had to work right through with no break, like 13 hours, no food. And I was just like, it snapped me back into reality for a second. And I was like, Emma, pick yourself up and move the fuck on. Don't get me wrong, I'm not one of those people that will be, you know, if someone's voicing their problems, I would never turn around and be the type of person that would say there's children dying. I I just think it's doing, that like, you're allowed to feel things, you're allowed, it doesn't matter how small your problems are, you're, you still have to go through the emotions of them. But that doesn't mean to say sometimes you don't have a huge reality check and think, okay, we're wallowing, we need to, it's time to get your shit together, <laughs> basically. 
Anyway, moral of the story is shout out to nurses. You guys are the real MVPs. Or just anyone who works in healthcare, to be honest, that goes through that shit on a daily basis. Like, the fact that you have to come home and separate your work from your life and just, like, are expected to be kind of emotionally detached from everything is... Oh, as an emotional person, I couldn't. I really don't think I could. But I really take my hat off to you and I thank every single one of you. Right, so... Why was my week such a roller coaster? Here's the thing. You all know, I think I literally mentioned in passing, I'm going to say it's got to be three months ago by now. Maybe a little bit, maybe a tiny bit less than that, like two and a half months, something along those lines, two months, three weeks. I don't know. I mentioned that I was going through a breakup. I haven't really spoken about it since then for several reasons. One, because I wasn't ready to talk about it. Like if I had talked about it at the start, you literally would have just got a half an hour episode of me bawling my eyes out to you probably <laughs> not giving the best advice. Second of all, you don't want to be disrespectful. You don't want to say anything in a state of anger and then end up regretting it or, you know, kind of fucking yourself over for stooping low type of thing. Third of all, I'm just not interested in airing my dirty laundry. I don't think it needs to be done. I know everyone likes knowing the tea and the gossip. Like, that, it's just in our nature to want to know all that and to be nosy. So I get it, but I'm just not going to do that. And lastly, I wasn't talking about it because I didn't really know what the fuck was going on. It's been back and forth for three months, like on and off. And you, yeah, you don't want to say anything. And, you know, a week later... it's actually the complete opposite you're back together or something so when you don't know what's going on it's just yeah obviously you're not gonna talk about it I'm now at a place where I can talk about it I can close that chapter or that book and move on with my life and it's actually very relieving for me to be able to sit down and say that sorry I really felt my voice shaking there and I really don't want to get emotional on this podcast But yeah, three months of back and forth, on and off, it does not do you any good emotionally. Like, it's just not good for anyone to go through. I feel like I just haven't really been myself in quite a long time now. And I'm so happy to be able to say that I'm ready to get back to myself. And I know you're probably listening to this and being like, Jesus Christ. (laughs) That is so rude for you to say. I don't mean it like that. I'm not saying this in a disrespectful way at all. I have nothing but the utmost like love and respect for my ex. But that's not to say I can't recognise that I just have been in limbo for the last three months and have been... Not that I felt I really... Like, I'm really past the point of letting boys make me feel worthless. I That's just... Yeah. I'm I'm way over that stage. I feel like I was probably letting boys do that to me when I was a teenager, but not anymore, thank God. So yeah, I'm not going to say I like, felt worthless or anything, but you know, just three months in limbo, just really not feeling yourself, emotional turmoil. It's not good for you. It feels like a weight off my shoulder to know that that chapter in my life is done. I obviously haven't felt this way the whole time. Like if I had felt this from the start, I would have come on and spoke like this from the start. It's taken a while to get to this point. And it's also, I don't know about anyone else, but I can be like really emotionally attached to something. And then just one thing needs to happen 
or maybe not even one thing that needs to happen but one thing needs to click in my brain and just like that like literally at the flick of a switch I have a completely different outlook on it and I am able to just be like no and that's essentially what happened so something happened on Friday and I was just I was able to just flick that switch in my brain and completely shift from being really caught up about it and literally feeling like there was a grey cloud over me every single day I woke up to just being like no I am deserving of so much more than this and it's weird because I feel like when you have problems in a relationship you still think that then like when you're in the relationship you still think I am deserving more than this like no one should be treating me like this but you're a little bit entangled in the whole like you're obviously in love with them there's just like a lot more on the line you're scared of breaking up like you're scared of what comes after that you're scared of having to deal with your emotions so you kind of just like let it happen in a way and hope that things will change and they will realize that they can't treat you like this So the thought's kind of always in your head, but that doesn't mean to say, well, I'm sure there are a lot of people that are very good at this and that are very like, no, just like cut it off the second things start going that way. But I would say the majority of people would be more like me, where you're a little bit more like hesitant to do that and not so like cutthroat. I think there's something very good about being cutthroat like that. But I also think, I don't know, when you're in the situation, it's just really hard to not be like loving and caring to the person that you love and care about ultimately (laughs) Um, so here we are three months later finally able to draw the line um basically I fell for a man's bullshit for three times three times it took me to learn (laughs) never will I ever let it take three times again do you know what you fall for it the first time and I think that's fair enough because you want to give people another chance And you want to kind of believe that maybe losing you was like the kick up the arse they needed. And maybe now they'll just, it'll be completely different. That's what you want to think, right? So you get into it after the first time and then the second time happens. And that's when you really need to start being like, okay, (laughs) catch yourself on here, Emma. Like have words with yourself. Is anything going to change? Is this coming from a place of just missing you and like going through the feels that you go through when you're going through a breakup? I feel like as well by the second time, all of your friends and your family and the people that liked your partner are going to back them the first time. Then when it happens the second time, that's when you start to not rely on everyone else because you know everyone else's opinion is going to be like, "Mm, I don't know, get the fuck out of there. It's also at that point you know that if a friend came to you, you would give them the advice, but you're just struggling to follow through with that advice yourself because you want to give them the benefit of the doubt. And then we wind up to the third time and that is when I was able to just switch off. I am low-key glad the third time happened. I don't know if this is making much sense because obviously I'm not like going into details, but hopefully you're following. I'm glad what happened third time round happened because that is what was able to make me take the switch in my brain. Once you get to the third time, it's just like, this is a fucking joke. Like, come on. But I think up until that point, I had been really caught up about everything and just like the lack of communication basically everything that came with the whole 
the whole thing, I was like caught up about and I just think there were so many things that could have been dealt with a lot differently. But once it got to the third time and that happened, um, I'm just, I'm not even going to say what happened. It's actually not even that bad. It's literally just a message, but like it was enough for me to be like, fuck you and block on everything. And I don't even mean fuck you in like a, I have so much hatred for you kind of way. Cause I, at the end of the day, I really don't like, I do genuinely mean this when I say I wish my ex and all of my exes all the love and happiness in the world but that just will not be with me and I am happy about that now whereas before I was I think I was like oh I wish them all the love or sorry I wish him all the love and happiness in the world but I'm gutted that it won't be with me whereas now I'm like no I am very much okay and in fact happy with the fact that it will not be with me I know this is a really immature thought but I think I used to think that the person that did the blocking like the the person that didn't do the blocking but basically was the one that kind of not one but like (laughs) they were like one up because it was like they had already come to peace with the fact that they didn't need to block them I don't know it's just a really immature way to think Uh, but anyway I don't think that anymore at all I'm very happy with my decision to block and I don't need to see their name in my fucking views on my story every day and I don't need to see them their name on WhatsApp. Like, I just can move on with my life. Wow, that was extremely cathartic. Thank you for listening to my TED Talk. <laughs> but yeah, that is all I will speak of about it and that is the first and the last time I will talk about it because it's time to move on. Uh, look, I'll obviously, as with any relationship, things come up when you talk about stuff to do with relationships and boys and, I don't know, when you're answering questions and when you're talking about certain topics, but it'll just be in the same way I talk about any of my other exes and previous relationships from now on in a much more generalised way. So yeah, that's the tea, really. That's, well... There's not much more to it, but as I said, no point in going into details and all that bullshit. It's not going to get me anywhere. And ultimately, it's just time to close that chapter. So moving on. What is my recommendation of the week? Oh, do you know what it is? It's actually very fitting and it's been helping me a lot this last week in a weird, comforting way. I know it's cliche as fuck, but basically I put up on my story asking for poetry book recommendations because... I was just feeling some poetry. I wanted some poetry that I could relate to and that I could be in my feels and feel like, oh my God, this person gets me type of thing. And I just feel like I literally haven't read any poetry since I was in school, which is nearly seven years ago. Apart from like the odd thing you see on Instagram. So after looking at all your recommendations, I did go for the most cliche one, which is Milk and Honey by Rupi Kaur. I don't know if I'm saying her name right. Yeah, it's a very popular poetry book. I honestly have just been loving it. I've been getting through it very quickly. It's because it's so easy to read. A lot of the poems are very, very short. Every morning I've just been waking up and having, like, reading some poetry with my breakfast. And then every night I go to bed, I read some. And it's just so nice. It's such a nice way to start and finish your day. So yeah, I'm really on the poetry buzz now. I think this is going to be like a thing for me. As in, I will always have a book that I'm reading and a poetry book that I'm reading. So I've always got poetry to read in the morning or at night. 
So yes, my recommendation of the week is Milk and Honey by Rupi Kaur. I got the hardback version of it because I just think it's such a nice thing to have and to keep and you can always go back to it and lend it to other people and things. I just, I don't know, poetry books are a really just nice thing to have. So yeah, I got the hardback and then I actually just ordered the her other one called Homebody. So when I finish this one, I'm going to move on to that one. And you know what? See, to keep everything all under the same theme, as in this relates to the theme of the podcast, which is tips on heartbreak. And it also relates to my recommendation of the week, which is that poetry book. I'm going to read you out one of the shorter poems that I liked. This is literally like a few words. The thing worth holding on to would not have let go. It's actually really weird the timing of when I got to a section of the book that was all about kind of stuff to do with breakups and heartbreak and self-worth and letting go and all that kind of stuff literally came on the day like it came yesterday all up until then it had kind of been themes around family also there was a lot about sexual assault just a little warning for anyone that was planning on getting milk and honey if you find that kind of thing quite triggering uh yeah just a pre-warning that there is quite a lot about that at the, in the first chapter there is anyway but there hasn't been since then. But yeah, I just thought it was really weird, the timing of how literally when it happened, like I started then reading all the poems that were about this and it was giving me so much comfort because I don't know, it was just like little words of encouragement kind of coming out of the page and just reminding me that there is a lot more to life that you have to live and you will be fine. All right, so let's move on to this week's podcast topic, which is tips on heartbreak. I have written down 11 different little tips that I've just found have really helped me. And I will just start off by saying that a lot of the time it is just a waiting game. You know, it is just getting through life and it is just time that does heal eventually. But I do also think there are things you can do within that time to help you and to accelerate things. Because You can obviously sit back and just be of the opinion that time heals, but ultimately, if you're going to be in negative thought patterns and you're thinking yourself into a depression every day and, you know, you're constantly reminding yourself of them and you're literally driving yourself insane, like you're tormenting yourself, it's obviously then going to take a lot longer. So although, yes, it is a time thing, I think if you can do these things within that time, you will be a lot better off. Number one, it is so basic, but it is to feel your feels. See, in the first couple days when you go through a breakup, if you don't give yourself that time to bawl your eyes out, to scream cry, to literally have to like pull over on the side of the motorway because you're literally bawling your eyes out while you were listening to a Taylor Swift song, if you don't give yourself the space to do that, how are you going to let those emotions release out of you? They're just going to build up and build up and over time you're going to harbour them and they're going to release at times when, I don't know, say when you're drinking or maybe instead you'll take it out on someone and get angry. Like you need to feel your feels. If you need to take a sick day and work and literally lie in bed and bawl your eyes out listening to Taylor Swift music, do that. I'm telling you, even if you just take one or two days to do that and to literally put everything else on standstill and have that emotional release, it will benefit you so much in the long run. Because if you don't do that right, then you'll wake up the next day, those feelings are still in there. 
You wake up the next day, those feelings are still in there. You wake up the next day and you just have this constant brain fog, this constant heavy feeling, this grey cloud following you around everywhere you go. And you feel like you can't be happy and it's because you need an emotional release and you need to get that shit out of you. I know you want to pretend that everything's okay. I know you want to get up and move on with your life and go to work and see your friends and do all these things and pretend like everything's normal and pretend that you can still do all these things. But you're only going to hurt yourself in the long run and actually all the people close to you all your friends, all your family, even all your work colleagues, they will prefer it if you actually took that one or two days to get it out of you because you'll be a way better person, I'm telling you, because you'll not be harboring all this negative emotions and then taking it out on other people or like being really grumpy in the office or being really snappy at your parents. So yeah, feel your feels, punch a wall, cry into your pillowcase, blast the sad tunes, watch the sad movies, do whatever you need to do and get it out of you. Feel your feels. Okay, moving on from that is actually a little bit similar, but I feel like, you know, it's also a bit different. Number two, don't pretend to other people that you're okay. This is not the time to be, I know we all, you know, when someone asks you, how are you? And you're like, oh yeah, good. This is not the time to be pretending that you're good because what pretending that you're okay and you're fine and you're good does to people in your life, you're literally building up a big wall between you and you're just pretending everything's all fine and dandy and you're not letting them in and you're not using them as emotional support. And then what happens is you go home at night and you cry on your own. Not that there's anything wrong with crying on your own, like as I just said in number one, you gotta get your emotions out. A lot of the time that is when you're on your own. But I just think by pretending that you're okay to the people in your life, they're not then gonna be able to help you if you if like you're appearing to be fine then they can't you know yeah there might be people that will see through it and offer a helping hand and you know come around to your house and bring you things that you need or even if you just want them there for company there might be some people in your life that are able to do that and are able to see through it but a lot of the time people feel a little bit like they're almost like it's not their place to jump in and say if you're not gonna say that something's wrong. Does that make sense? I don't really know if this is making sense. But yeah, I just think people aren't there for you to rely on if you don't say that you need their help a lot of the time. And knowing that you have a support system and knowing that you do have people to turn to, whether that is you need someone to go on a night out with or whether it's that you need someone to go to yoga with or maybe it's that you're literally can't get out of bed and you need your friend to go pick up groceries from the shop like just knowing that you have a bit of a support system and telling the people around you that you're not doing well and you're not okay and like being able to open up to them and being able to cry to them I honestly think it does you the world of good like I am so bad for this to the point that like even when my uni shooters ask me am I okay I'm like no no I'm not okay this happened to me I think it was literally in December and my tutor could just see I was going through it like you know when you're just holding it in your eyes you can tell the person looks dead inside and he was like are you okay and I was like no (laughs) I'm not and he was like what's going on no I I didn't dump on him like I didn't (laughs) dump all my emotions and tell him everything that I was going through but even just being able to be like to my shitter no I'm not okay like I'm not coping well this is just a lot and I didn't have to say I was going through a breakup I didn't I just said this was a lot with like uni shit 
and he was able to just be he was able to say something along the lines of look it's not something to stress about and just say some words of encouragement and sometimes that's just all you need another reason why i think it's really good to not pretend you're okay to people is because we have a tendency to withdraw ourselves from socializing a lot if you're going through things sometimes and you know isolate yourself and yeah sometimes you do need that and want that and need that time and space alone but I think a lot of the time you also need a bit of encouragement from other people to not withdraw yourself so much and I think if people close to you know that that's what you're doing they can kind of try and pull you out of it a little bit. Okay number three is I don't know if everyone does this but I literally always do this and it is to write messages to them in your notes. I think a lot of the time we get these like urges either when you're missing someone you could be right you go through all the feels when you're going through a breakup you literally experience every single emotion under the sun. Regret, anger, love, missing them you will go through it all and in a lot of those occasions you want to pick up your phone and message them and you need to break that habit because they are no longer the person to turn to about these things. You need to break this this cycle in your brain. And the way I do this, instead of messaging them, I write whatever I want to say to them in my notes. And then it means I've got it out of my system, whether it's anger, whether it's, I don't know, whatever it is <laughs> I feel like I need to communicate. A lot of the time, it's not actually that I want to say it to them because ultimately that would be quite self-serving. Like it would be quite selfish of me to then to just message them and say these things. What's it going to achieve? Absolutely nothing. But sometimes you just need to get it out of you. And the way I do that is I take to my notes, I write the letter, the message, whatever. Sometimes it's really short. Sometimes it's literally paragraphs long, depending on my mood. And then you can just close your notes up and be done with it. It just feels like a huge weight off your shoulders like you feel so relieved after you've typed it out and it doesn't even they don't even need to see it so next time you think it's a good idea to message your ex just message your notes direct to them and I promise you it will have the same effect but no one gets hurt by doing it tip number four is to block them the fuck (laughs) I know you've heard it all a million times just block them And sometimes it's really difficult to do. I was only able to do this literally the other day. Do you know what? No one needs to see, no one needs a constant reminder of their ex. It's not, like, it's just not going to help you move on. You do not need to see when they viewed your story. You do not need to know their whereabouts when they're out and about and storying things and getting tagged and this and that. Like, you just don't need to see it. It's not good for your brain. Also, you can end up getting caught in the cycle of like, you know, checking if they followed anyone new and like checking their tagged photos and all this shit. It's not healthy. And I would catch myself like sitting on WhatsApp seeing if they were online. What is that doing for me? Apart from wasting my time, literally what is that doing for me? I know it's really hard to do it sometimes because you almost want there to be a way of them being able to reach out to you if if they want to. Do you know what I mean? Like you don't want to block that off just in the off chance that they might have something nice to say you need to think about what you want this is this is what I always catch myself doing I'm constantly thinking but what if like what if they want this and what if they actually change their mind and they want this think about what you want for a second because do you actually want to get back together with this person probably not not after the way they've treated you so the best thing you could possibly do in this situation is block them on everything and there be absolutely no way of them being able to reach out to you 
And you can finally let go of this stupid behaviour of checking their social media and of just even just like times when you don't want to be reminded of them. Like times when you're not even doing those stupid things, but times when you're just like, I don't know, just seeing who viewed your story and their name pops up and you're like, oh great, there's another reminder of them. Like you already get reminded of them every day in so many little things that you do when you first come out of a relationship you know even little things like when you go and get coffee maybe it was the place you always used to get coffee together or maybe it's like when you go on a walk with your dogs and it's like oh I used to always walk with them here like there are constant reminders in your daily life and the last thing you need is more reminders on social media and seeing that they're watching you and being able to watch them like it's just not good for you even if there's literally nothing wrong between you as in it's been a completely amicable breakup like you guys have no issues even with those breakups you still need to block them for a period of time you can unblock them once like those initial you know once you've gone through it at the start and you feel ready to now be able to see them on a daily basis on social media and stuff if you feel ready to actually do that without being like attached in a weird way to it then you can reintroduce that and unblock them then but I just think for the first even just like couple of months the block needs to happen I'm sorry to break it to you, but it really does. Okay, number five. Now, I get that this one will be easier for some people and harder for others. But number five is you need to genuinely convince yourself that you're better off without them and that you deserve better. The quicker you can, I don't just mean like say this to your friends and and like hear them be like, girl, you deserve better and all this. You need to genuinely believe that. You need to go to sleep at night thinking I deserve better and I am better off without them and I am able to build a life now where I will be better because they're not a part of it anymore. For some people, this is really difficult to get to and if you are one of those people where you are really struggling with seeing that and you're really really caught up about it and you're just really focusing on how your life would be better with them if you're one of those people then it might be a little bit too difficult to completely flip the other way but what you do need to do is to convince yourself that they were not meant for you so even if you maybe don't believe that you're better off without them you still need to believe that they were not meant for you Because if they were meant for you, you would be together. It wouldn't have been so difficult. They, you know, they would have shown up in the ways that they should have shown up. Or maybe if it was something on your part where you made a mistake, well, you just have to think everything happens for a reason and this happened because you guys were not supposed to be together and you need to be able to be completely at peace with that idea. I'll be honest, it was not hard for me whatsoever to convince myself of this. I know for a fact I'm better off without them. And I also know for a fact that I deserve better and I'm almost embarrassed that I let it go on for so long without like without being treated the way that I deserved. So this wasn't a hard one for me, but I get that, you know, different scenarios and different situations can mean that some people do find this one a little bit more tricky. But yeah, you genuinely need to convince yourself that you are the one that got away from them and that they are a lesson to you and that you are on to bigger and better things. And once you can fully accept that and fully believe that in yourself, I'm telling you now, that is when the switch will flick in your brain. And that's when you won't be so cut up about it because you'll be excited to build your new life. Just try and picture them in the car, driving down the motorway, singing Katy Perry, the one that got away, thinking about you. You're the main character. (laughs) You're the one that got away. You 
honestly do deserve better. I don't know how many times I need to reiterate this. Like literally no one deserves to stay in something that makes them feel like they are less than. You know, like if someone is making you feel small and someone is shrinking you and making you think you should be less of this and more of this, no one in the entire world deserves that. Okay, tip number six. It is now time to work on your other relationships. When you're in a romantic relationship, a lot of the time that is our main focus. Like in our heads, that is the most important relationship in our life at the time. You put the most amount of effort into it. You give them the most amount of love. You maybe spend the most time with them compared to all your other relationships. And you kind of, you know, you have them on a pedestal. And then also when you're going through problems, like that takes a lot of energy and it can be really draining. And your whole life kind of becomes like centered around almost fixing that and I don't know I just feel like it really becomes very all-consuming and you kind of forget that actually you need to make an effort with other people. We're all guilty I think of not giving enough time and energy to relationships outside of our romantic relationships because it's just it just happens sometimes you get too comfortable it's easy you know you maybe don't want to go out as much when you're able to just sit in with them And now you don't need to do that and you have all this energy to put into your other relationships, whether that be with your family and your parents and your siblings and of course also with your friends. And it's really nice to know that now you can put that time and energy into these relationships because at the end of the day, the love you experience in a romantic relationship is not the only love that you are capable of giving and receiving in life and it never will be. You have a lot more love to give to the people all around you in your life than just the person that you're in a romantic relationship with. But we kind of forget that. And now instead of having date night every week, you can have night with the girls every week. And instead of having Love Island and Boozum night with your boyfriend or girlfriend, you can have Love Island and Boozum night with your friends. I don't know. I think you just, after a relationship, you really like re-fall in love with your friendships again. And you almost have like a greater appreciation for them, especially if they've like really been there for you when you've been going through it with the breakup. And then you kind of come out the other side and you feel like a new person and you're able to be a better friend and direct some of that love and that energy and that time that you had before into your friendships. It's great. I've been loving being able to see the girls more recently, like because I can be a bit of a recluse. Uh, Do you know what? I don't think I'm actually, I've come to realize that I don't know if I'm actually intentionally a recluse or if I just am always bogged down with work and then always feel like I can't meet people but (laughs) I think because I always feel like I can't meet people because I've always got too much on between uni and other work it only leaves a couple of slots within my week that I actually can meet people so when I am in a relationship I feel like I give those slots to that person which is really bad of me And then it means I really just don't have the time to see other people. What I should do is separate that time to give to people. Although I don't actually think I will have this problem once I'm finished uni. Thank fuck. (laughs) Well, I'm really hoping I won't. Number seven, I have written learn, learn, learn. (laughs) I don't know why, but I find it very, I guess, comforting in a way. But like, I find it very interesting when I'm going through something to read and learn a lot about it. 
first of all, it makes me realize that this is really normal and it's something that everyone experiences. And second of all, it makes me understand, well, not just me, anyone, it makes you understand how your brain works in certain scenarios. So like, for example, if you were really depressed, a lot of the time it's really good to like read a lot of books on mental health and about depression and about the chemistry in your brain and potential triggers and maybe things that can make you feel better. Like, I just always think it's really beneficial to like actually learn about these things. And so in the case of this, like for heartbreak, I think learning about like love addiction and going through breakups and uh, maybe attachment styles, like different things like that. I think it's really interesting to just take a deep dive into it all. You can almost then sit back and be like, I know why I behave like that or I know why I fell for that or I know why I dismissed that. Do you know what I mean? It's just like a good way to be able to reflect on your behaviours and another person's behaviours and kind of come to peace with the fact that you haven't fucked up and the other person hasn't fucked up and you know no one was being malicious but like this is just what happens and this is why we behave the way we do and yeah do you know what I mean it's like when someone cheats and then uh people like read loads about the psychology of cheating and like read Esther Perel's book on uh infidelity I just finished a book called The Unexpected Joy of Being Single it's actually by an author from Northern Ireland her name's Catherine Gray and she's got a series of books called The Unexpected Joy of So how I actually first heard about her, a lot of people highly recommend her one that's called The Unexpected Joy of Being Sober, which is on my to-read list, but I have not yet got my hands on it. But yeah, she also did one called The Unexpected Joy of Being Single. I actually hadn't heard too much about this one, but it was quite well reviewed on Goodreads. And I think when I looked it up on my Kindle, it happened to be like 99p or something. So I was like, this is what I need right now. Downloaded it, got through it in a matter of days. And it was just a really nice, comforting read. She talked a lot about love addiction and why we jump from like one relationship to the next and about like setting your standards and working on your life to be, you know, what you want. So then if anyone else comes into it, they need to add to that. And it was kind of like a mix of her telling stories of her kind of like toxic past and her behavior in relationships. So almost like a memoir, but then also kind of mixed in with like facts and statistics and just more informative kind of stuff that she has picked up through her reading. And she would always like quote the book and tell you what it was and tell you her recommendations. So after reading that, I've now got a few on my list. One of them that I definitely want to read is Attached. I've been talking about reading this for the longest time. It's by someone called Amir Levine and Rachel, Rachel someone? I can't remember. Anyway, it's a book on attachment styles and attachment theory. So yeah, I can't wait to get my hands on that one. Is there any others I can think of off the top of my head that are good for going through breakups? I don't know. One kept coming up that was called like Notes on Heartbreak, but I don't know if it's any good. I haven't read it. I also think, do you remember I did the podcast a few episodes ago about the Stutz documentary and his tools? It was all about like your relationship with your physical body and how that impacts your mental health. So do you remember on that episode I said that he has a book called The Tools? I've got that downloaded on my Kindle. I think that's actually going to be my next read because I feel like a lot of it is going to be very applicable to a breakup. 
So I'm actually really looking forward to that because now I'll be reading it with a full different perspective compared to, I feel like when I was talking about the tools last time, I was very much talking about like your relationship with your physical body and your relationship with others and your relationship with your mind and how that impacts your mental health. Whereas I feel like now I'm going to be reading it more from the perspective of going through things to come out the other side and to come out a stronger and better individual and taking things as, how would you say, as lessons and as opportunities to grow, if that makes sense. Obviously, if you're not into reading though, you don't need to like all of a sudden start picking up all these books on going through a breakup. You can just listen to podcasts, you can watch documentaries, watch YouTube videos, I don't know, whatever floats your boat, but I just think there's something really good about learning the kind of science behind what you're going through and knowing why your body and your brain have reacted in the way that they have and maybe like pick up some tips along the way of how you can flip your mindset and improve things and yeah I don't know I just that's my go-to when I'm going through something is to just literally learn all about it. Okay number eight this sounds really basic but pick up new hobbies slash do new things that you wouldn't have normally done with them. If you are just living your life like doing all the same things that you would normally do with them, obviously you're going to miss them because you were used to them doing those things with you. I mean, don't get me wrong, there's obviously things you're still going to have to continue to do that you would have normally done with them. But I think if you make a conscious effort to try and pick up new things that your brain completely does not associate them as being part of, then you're not going to miss them from that activity because they were never a part of that activity. It's like, for example, yoga for me, right? I mean, the odd time, like I could probably count it the amount of times I brought a boyfriend with me to yoga on one hand because that is just like my little safe haven. And yeah, it's fun to do things with other people, but sometimes you got to keep things for yourself. And now that activity is very much not ruined for me because that is my thing and they were never, none of my exes were ever involved in that. Do you know what I mean? So for example, if you start picking up like painting classes that you never have done before, you're not going to be standing in painting classes sobbing to yourself because they used to be at the bay beside you when you're painting the bay. I'm sorry, I don't, actually don't know what I'm talking about, but... <laughs> Yeah, it's hard to miss someone from something that they were never a part of in the first place. And obviously, because so many things can remind you of a person, sometimes it's nice to have those things that you know aren't going to remind you of someone and they just become like your thing or your and your friend's thing. And then it also kind of just adds to your new life as well. You know, like obviously you're trying to build a new life without them and that you enjoy and that fulfills you. And I feel like this kind of feeds into that but yeah this is actually why I think it's really important to have to still have your things when you're in a relationship like to have your things that you go to whether it's on your own or with a friend but that your partner doesn't come with you to you know those couples that are literally just like attached at the hip that they do everything together I just think that's so unhealthy like it's giving separation anxiety can you not have your own hobbies without your partner being a part of them do you know those couples that literally It could be like a girl's night and next thing that one of the girls is bringing their boyfriend to and you're just like, babe, it's not the vibe. It's really not the vibe. (laughs) But yeah, that's why it's important to have your own things because then if you do break up, 
you've still got those things that aren't associated with them and that you can still enjoy and it's like your little safe space. But yeah, pick up new hobbies and find new things that you love. Okay, number nine, write out your new list of (laughs) non-negotiables. I did a podcast episode talking about non-negotiables and red flags and I mentioned in that how everyone should have a list on their notes or in their journal or on their laptop, wherever it is, you should have a list of non-negotiables. I have never had one before now just because I didn't, it didn't really cross my mind to do this. I don't know when I first heard of this, but whenever I heard of it, I was in a relationship, so too late by that point. But yeah, I have since sat down and wrote a list of my non-negotiables. If you're thinking like, what is that? Like, what is this list of non-negotiables? Your list of non-negotiables is basically a set of standards that you will not lower for anyone. They could literally be so tiny. Like some of them could just be like, I want a partner that reads or I want a partner that drives. (laughs) That could be one of your non-negotiables. But they can also be like really big When I say big, I just mean like foundational things. For example, I've just got my list out here. So one of mine is can communicate things easily without having to be asked. Listens to me and makes me feel heard. Is a feminist. Like I've got a big long list here. I'm not going to go through them now. Maybe I should do a full episode telling you my new non-negotiables. Anyway, the whole point of this exercise when going through a breakup is because, right, if you sit down and you write all of these, this new set of standards that you are going to live by, now you will never accept anything less. What you will actually find when you read through them is that I bet you your ex does not have half of those things. And when you see that written in front of you and you have that moment of realisation that your ex doesn't meet those standards and not that you've let yourself down by lowering them but it's just a bit of a smack in the face you're just like why have I done this to myself and I'm not saying that you should regret the whole relationship because of that because I would never do that for one second like huge believer in everything happens for a reason I would never wish my time away with someone like the last year okay yes the last three months have been kind of hellish but the whole year before that like I still had a great relationship And we still had lots of like fun and amazing times together. So I would never in a million years sit here and say that, you know, I wish that never happened or I wish I saw these red flags or I wish I never lowered my standards. But I do definitely think it's beneficial to see that in front of you, realise what you've done and learn from it and think, okay, moving forward, this is what I accept. And if someone can't give me that, then they ultimately don't deserve to be in my life. Because at the end of the day, right, you're going to go on this journey, you're going to go through this breakup, you're going to come out the other side 10 times the person you were and you're going to have this inner peace, right, this little bubble of inner peace and no one deserves to be able to come into that bubble of your inner peace and be able to destroy that unless they are bringing everything to the table that you require. Look, everyone's set of standards is going to be completely different. Everyone's like love languages are different. People had like different upbringings and Uh, prioritize different things in relationships but I think being really honest and clear with yourself as to what you want if and when you start dating again then you'll be a lot less likely to fall into things where you're not happy with how the other person is treating you and I just think you'll be a lot more intentional 
with who you're giving your time and your energy to if you do start dating again you can literally refer back to it like it's a checklist every time you go on a date (laughs) and you can cut things off before they have any chance of getting serious because that's when you fucked it when you get in deep and it's serious and there's feelings involved and you haven't you haven't stood by your standards and when you don't stand by your standards you're doing yourself a disservice you're essentially lying to yourself like you're not keeping your word with yourself if you say these are my standards and I'm not going to drop below them and then you drop below them what does that say about like your word to yourself so yeah this is the first time I will now have a non-negotiables list as a single person and I'm buzzing about it the bar is being set high (laughs) I'm not gonna lie Jesus, we're into another long episode here. I really need to reel it in. Right, I've only got two more, okay? Number 10. Do not reach for coping mechanisms that will make you feel worse in the long run. For example, alcohol. (laughs) Oh, fuck. I've been speaking a lot about alcohol recently. I know, I'm sorry. But do you know what? There's a lot of other things that fall under this bracket. Like, some people's coping mechanisms might be sleeping with loads of randomers and then feeling really really shit the next day because it just makes you miss that person more or if your habit is to reach for alcohol and to drink until you're completely obliterated and then you literally feel like you're on death's door the next day any of these kind of negative coping mechanisms that make you feel worse in the long run you're honestly like you're taking steps backwards I'm not for one second demonising going out and getting drunk with your friends. Like sometimes that is exactly what you need. Do you know what I mean? Like there's times when you're going through a breakup where all you want is to just have a fun night out with your friends, whether it ends in tears or whether it ends in you dancing till your heart's content on the dance floor. It's just sometimes required, but you need to recognise when it's required for a night like that where you need to blow off some steam or when you're actually just reaching for it to like suppress your emotions and same thing with sleeping with loads of people I'm not demonizing it for one second if you find that you get over a person a lot easier by getting under the next and get moving on to the next distraction that is so fine too but if you're doing that to feel something and then it causes you to like feel a hundred times worse after and to miss them a hundred times more, it's not going to do you any good in the long run. And I think being able to recognize why you're doing certain behaviors is really key in this because obviously you can do both of those examples like I just said and it be fine and it not affect you negatively, but you can also do them and it really affect you negatively. So yeah, there's better coping mechanisms and you will suss that out. Everyone has different coping mechanisms. Not all of them are the healthiest, but you need to work out what your healthy ones are. Like that is why some people get in the best shape of their life after a breakup because they have this like new fire in their belly and this new motivation and it becomes like a coping mechanism, like a bit of an addiction, like working out all the time. So yeah, maybe do something like that instead of drinking and having sex with loads of people. (laughs) Okay, number 11, this is the final one, is to take time to reflect on the relationship and on the breakup. For some people, that'll be by journaling. For some people, it'll just be by thinking about it. For some people, it's by talking to friends. Maybe you want to go on a walk every day and not listen to a podcast so you can really just like think about things in your own head. 
Do you know what? Some of the things I said prior to this kind of feed into this one, taking time to reflect. For example, like writing messages to them in your notes and also like writing your list of non-negotiables and even like the learning one, like reading about it. This is all different ways of taking time to reflect on your relationship. I think if you don't give yourself the time and space to do that and to think not only what they did that you wouldn't be happy with moving forward, but also what you did and how what your behaviour was like within the relationship and how you treated them and also just how you lived your life while in the relationship. Like maybe now you're gonna make more of a conscious effort if you ever get into a relationship again to make sure that you're not isolating yourself from your friends. All these little things, like I just think you need to take the time away to think about these things because if you don't and you just literally jump straight into the next one, you're just gonna repeat all the same behaviours. You know what they say, the whole thing about not changing the input but expecting a different output? Same scenario here, like how do you expect to ever have a different outcome in a relationship, in this case not breaking up? (laughs) Or I don't know, it just being more successful in other ways, like more open and more communicative or it being more loving and honest. Like how do you expect to ever get that in a relationship if you're never going to change your behaviours within it? So yeah, journal the shit out of it. Go to therapy if you can. Be honest with yourself on how you behaved and maybe what you would do differently moving forward. It's so easy to point the finger at someone else and put everything on them, but you know, it takes two to tango. And ultimately, yeah, you might have ended because of the other person and that was like the final straw, but there was definitely problems leading up to that that just could have been dealt with differently, could have been resolved differently. There could have been healthier communication, healthier habits in place. There is literally an endless list of things that you can reflect of when it comes to reflecting on your relationship. Like I learned so much when I came out of my previous, the relationship before. When I came out of that, I learned so much and I had so much to reflect on and so much to work on in myself from how I behaved to how I communicated to what I put up with. Just literally everything. And I took that into my next relationship and I do feel like I was a way better person and now I can do the same thing again and be like an even better person for myself though not for anyone else (laughs) unless they're extremely extremely deserving of it okay that brings us to the end of the podcast that is my 11 tips on heartbreak I hope you guys enjoyed it I hope this helped in some way If you're listening to this and you're also going through a breakup at the minute, I'm so sorry to hear that. My heart really does go out to you. It is such a horrible, horrible pain. But I promise you from the bottom of my heart that you will come out the other side and you will be fine. Actually, sorry, you won't just be fine. You will be so good. You will be 10 times the person that you were before. And you have so much to look forward to. Like this is the tiniest chapter of your life. And you'll realise that it was just a chapter and it was a lesson and... You'll look back on the memories fondly once you get through the heartbreak. Think of how many things this is going to open you up to now, how many things that you can do now that you have the freedom to do it. You're going to learn so much about yourself to the point that you will be happy that all of this has happened. And as they say, people come into your life for, what is it? A reason, a season or a lifetime. And this was just a season and that's fine. Plenty more seasons to come, baby. (laughs) Okay, thank you all so much for listening. Happy birthday to us. Happy birthday to here for the crack. Thank you all so much for sticking with me throughout the last two years. 
Big shout out to George Gill for my intro and outro music. All his links will be in the description. If you enjoyed this week's episode, remember to leave me a little five-star review on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Share it with your friends, share it with your family, share it on your Instagram stories. Also, don't forget to vote on this week's poll on Spotify. Just swipe up on the episode and you'll be able to see this week's poll. I will love you and leave you until next week's episode. I hope you all have a gorgeous week and I'll speak to you then. Bye.